It's been said that pride is the mother of all sins, meaning that all sins flow from a prideful heart. And in Daniel chapter 4, we're going to watch Nebuchadnezzar get humbled by God, proving that God is sovereign over everything. And old Nebi is going to learn a hard lesson about humility. And we're going to be able to learn today if we also apply the lessons of the Bible today on Walk in Truth. You're listening to the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Before we get to today's message, we want to let you know that this is a listener-supported ministry. For your gift of any size, we would like to give you the free DVD, Dark Dangers of the Occult. Call with your gift at 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Now, here's Pastor Michael. You ever had someone come to you and say, I had a dream about you last night. My first response is, did I die? (laughs) What did you dream about? Don't ever tell somebody that and then hold back what the dream was unless you're embarrassed to share it. (laughs) Or if you're on the receiving end, just say, did I die? Did I die? Was there a calendar date? Were the circumstances revealed to you in which my demise happened? Were you there? Because if you were, I'm not hanging out with you anymore. (laughs) What was I driving? What was I wearing? I'll get rid of the car. I'll burn those clothes. What do I have to do? Just like years before, Daniel said, you are the head of gold. Now he says, you are the tree. (laughs) Well, Nebuchadnezzar can figure out the rest. Tree was chopped down by order of an angelic watcher, some sort of bands put around it. Uh, this isn't good. And so he says, you're the, you're the tree. You become great, or excuse me, let's go back. Uh, which became large, grew strong, height, uh, verse 20, reached the sky, was visible to all the earth, whose foliage was beautiful, fruit abundant. Oh, we already did that, didn't we? You have become great. End of 22, grown strong. Your majesty has become great. Reach to the sky, your dominion to the end of the earth. And in that, the king saw an angelic watcher, a holy one, descending from heaven and saying, chop down the tree and destroy it. Yet leave the stump with its root in the ground, but with a band of iron and bronze around it in the new grass of the field. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him share with the beasts of the field until seven periods of time pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king. This is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon my Lord, the king, that you be driven away from mankind, 25. Your dwelling place be with the beast. Just a note, the Antichrist is called the beast in the book of Revelation. Uh, When we descend to be like the beast, we lose our sense of God. When we lack like act like animals when we embrace the implications of Darwinian evolution. That's pretty much what we become. Sophisticated animals, right? So you'll be, uh, you'll have your place with the beasts of the field. You'll be given grass to eat like cattle. You'll be drenched with the dew of heaven. And seven periods of time will pass over you until you what? Until you recognize that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows it on whomever he wishes. King, 
Apparently, you have not got the message from heaven yet. So God's given you another dream and you're going to be chopped down and humbled. Psalm 32, 9 says, Do not be as the horse or as the mule, which have no understanding, whose trappings include bit and bridle to hold them in check. Otherwise, they will not come near to you. In Acts 26, 14, Jesus said to Saul of Tarsus, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. You're acting like an animal. You're like acting like an ox. You're kicking against the goads. And every time you kick it, more of your flesh is taken away. Why do you fight me? Why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. What do I do? Get up and you'll be told what you must do. And he had to be held by the hand. Saul of Tarsus, proud Pharisee, humbled to the ground, knocked off his high horse because he was fighting Jesus. In the name of God, he had letters from the high priest. He wanted to shut down what he thought was a false Messiah and its movement. But deep down, maybe Saul knew all the while. Maybe he knew Jesus was the Messiah. Maybe that's why Jesus said to him, why are you fighting me? Why are you persecuting me? I'll leave it to you. And in that, it was commanded to leave the stump with its roots of the tree. Your kingdom will be assured or restored to you after you recognize that it is heaven that rules. Now, what would you do if you're King Nebuchadnezzar? All right. That's, that's tough news. Wouldn't your next question be, what do I need to do to avoid this calamity? Wouldn't you want the prophet of God to lay it out for you? Wouldn't you want some sort of maybe to-do list? Well, maybe it's implied because Daniel says, therefore, O king, may my advice be pleasing to you. Accept what I'm going to say. Break away now from your sins by doing righteousness and from your iniquities, by showing mercy to the poor in case that there may be a prolonging of your prosperity. Bold move by Daniel. Here's simple interpretation. Nebuchadnezzar, repent. Now there are people who say, oh, in the history of the revelation of the Bible, we got to be careful because, you know, Prophets and Christians and so forth, they haven't, they haven't had much impact on government and policy and stuff like that. Well, you might want to mark Daniel 4.27, where Daniel in the court of Babylon tells Nebuchadnezzar to repent of his sin. Pretty bold. Repent, king. Get right with God. Do what's right in his eyes He's shown you, O oh man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you. It's to do justice, Micah 6.8, to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. But for Nebuchadnezzar, it wasn't about a to-do list. Please hear what I'm about to say. It was about a new heart. Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be what? Born again. This is not about a building. It's not about what you wear, what you eat, what you drink, what you don't drink, what days you worship, when you fast, when you don't. You must be born from above. Heaven must invade your heart. This is the message of the gospel. 
Religion will not do it. You must know the God who made you. And Nebuchadnezzar has certainly had some experience with God. He's seen God's majesty. He's seen God's power. But he has not yet come into a saving relationship with him. And by the way, Old and New Testament is the same. You believe in the Lord and you get righteousness. Whether it's this side of the cross in the Old Testament or this side of the cross in the New Testament, what you know about Messiah or about God, you must place faith in the living God. And so he got the word from Daniel, very bold, but true. All this happened to Nebuchadnezzar the king. Now, if you were a fly on the wall or you one of, you're one of Nebuchadnezzar's advisors or you're somehow in the palace, would you be watching him now? If you found out that there was this whole thing laid out about the tree chopped down and Nebuchadnezzar's going to turn into a, a member of a 70s rock band, he, he's going to have long nails, long hair, the whole deal. Wouldn't you be kind of wondering, what's he going to do? You know, is he, is he going to ask for more information about how to get right? 12 months later, fast forward 29, Nebuchadnezzar's walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. There he is, up on the roof, checking things out. A year has gone by. There's another story about another man walking on his roof, and he saw a woman bathing. We studied it recently. And his cover-up, most scholars believe, in the, from the time that Bathsheba's pregnant to when everything unravels is about a year in David's life. God gives Nebuchadnezzar a year to get right. Here's Ecclesiastes 8.11. It says, because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed quickly, therefore the hearts of the sons of men among them are fully given fully to do evil. 1 Corinthians 11.31 says, if we judge ourselves rightly, we shall not be judged. But when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord in order that we may not be condemned along with the world. Revelation 21, excuse me, Revelation 2.21 says of Jezebel, I gave her time to repent. <clears throat> and she does not want to repent of her immorality. And we have verses in 2 Peter and Genesis 6 that say, at least imply, and I think this is correct, that as Noah built the ark, God gave mankind 120 years to repent and believe. 120 years. Years. Some of you pray for somebody for a week. <laughs> ah, they're never going to come to church. <laughs> but God is patient toward us. He's not willing that any perish, but all come to repentance. So he knocks, and the ark's being built, and he tries to get our attention. And a year goes by. And the king's walking on his balcony, and he reflected, and he said, is this not... Babylon the Great, which I myself have built as a royal residence by the might of my power and for the glory of my majesty. Write that down. That sounds pretty good. Write that down. He's out. And by the way, Babylon has existed long before Nebuchadnezzar, right? We have, we have Babel way back in Genesis 10. Babylon's been around as an empire for a long time. Nebuchadnezzar's father ruled it before he did. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. But first, what do you know about the occult? In the month of October, the number one theme is Halloween. Houses are decorated and kids drag their parents to the store to get the costume they want to wear for their holidays trick-or-treat night. There are those that take the holiday on a darker path. What do you know about the occult? People are often fascinated with it, but it is far from innocent. It is dangerous. God warned his people in the Bible to understand what it is and have nothing to do with it. Dark Dangers of the Occult is a DVD available to you this month by Pastor Michael Lance. The video includes teachings and interviews that will help expose the occult for what it is and shine the light of Christ's power over it. Dark Dangers of the Occult is available as a thank you when you give a donation of any size in support of Walk in Truth. Call 844-48-TRUTH today. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. Some of you pray for somebody for a week. (laughs) Ah, They're never going to come to church. (laughs) But God is patient toward us. He's not willing that any perish, but all come to repentance. So he knocks, and the ark's being built, and he tries to get our attention. And a year goes by. And the king's walking on his balcony, and he reflected, and he said, is this not... Babylon the Great, which I myself have built as a royal residence by the might of my power and for the glory of my majesty. Write that down. That sounds pretty good. Write that down. He's out. And by the way, Babylon has existed long before Nebuchadnezzar, right? We have have Babel way back in Genesis 10. Babylon's been around as an empire for a long time. Nebuchadnezzar's father ruled it before he did. And just a side note, Rodney Stortz in a commentary on Daniel believes that this is Nabonidus or Nabonidus, who was a ruler who came afterwards. There is a record that in his life, and I'm trying to remember the dates, but it's, it's coming towards the early part of uh, the 500s, so 535, somewhere in there, where he disappeared for seven years and nobody knew what happened to him. There's some sort of secular record. So he believes he carried the title of Nebuchadnezzar, but it's a different one. Um, I'm not necessarily convinced of that, but I just thought I'd let you know. And so the king's walking on his balcony, and he's basically saying, I'm all that. Look what I've done. Look what I've created. Look at this Babylon that I've built. And while he's saying, look what I've done, God's in heaven saying, look what I'm about to do. (laughs) Whenever you say, look what I've done, God might say to you, really? What you've done? Now, it's true that God allows us to work and accomplish things and to be inventive and creative. But look, we would have nothing unless it had been first given to us from heaven. Why do you boast about the things that you have, 1 Corinthians 4, 7, as though they were from you when they're not? The very breath in your lung, lungs, we'll learn in chapter 5, is from God. He holds your very life breath in his hands. Remember King Herod in Acts 12? He comes out in his royal robe, sits on his royal throne, and the people say, this is the voice of a God, not of, of a man. 
And immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God. And he was eaten by worms and died. <laughs> Acts 12. Uh, if you're on a diet, this is a good verse to read right before you're tempted to eat anything. <laughs> but it says, but the word of the Lord continued to grow and multiply. Whenever we want to pat ourselves on the back, there's an old saying, let somebody else do it. Nebuchadnezzar, look what I've done. Now, in light of his dream, don't you think he would have been a little careful about pontificating like this? While the word was in the king's mouth, a voice came from heaven. Now, we've heard a voice from heaven at Jesus' baptism on the Mount of Transfiguration. Here's the voice of God from heaven saying, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is declared sovereignty has been removed from you. Maybe parenthetically, remember the dream I gave you a year ago? Did you forget the dream and the interpretation? You'll be driven away from mankind. Your dwelling place will be with the beasts of the field. You will be given grass to eat like cattle. Seven periods of time will pass over you until you recognize that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows it on whomever he wishes. And immediately the word concerning Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from mankind. He began eating grass like cattle. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. You remember the old, uh, what is the stick that people try to go under? How low can you go? How low can you go? Pretty low. I mean, when you're out in the field and you're the, you used to be the king and you got some feathers and some long nails, you kind of painted in different colors, you know, and you're there with them. Hey, where's the king today? Get your binoculars out. <laughs> I mean, folks, this is it. This is about as humiliating as it gets from your balcony saying, the great Babylon that I have built to. <laughs> That's going from the penthouse to whatever house would be out there. <laughs> History corroborates this event in the life of Nebuchadnezzar. Dr. William Newell has this note from Albert Barnes. Josephus attributes to the Babylonian historian Barassus a definite reference concerning a strange malady suffered by Nebuchadnezzar before his death. He was driven from the palace into the fields in the way. Presumably, uh, something added by uh, either Wearsby or Boyce, uh, presumably that they treated the insane in those days. He went bananas. He went cuckoo. He went mad. There's the king out there and he's lost it. And God's behind it. But at the end of that period, now remember, this is all autobiographical. Very honest, right? Very transparent. I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven. <laughs> he went, <laughs> God, <laughs> help 
This is almost like the prodigal in the pig pen, isn't it? He, he's eating, he desires to eat the, the pig's food, and he says, wait a minute, hold on. He came to his senses. What does it take to get us to come to our senses? For some, maybe more than others. He raised, he says, I raised my eyes toward heaven. My reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is everlasting, and everlasting dominion, his kingdom endures from generation to generation. Looking up to heaven seems to be a sign of the acknowledgement of God's sovereignty. Okay, you are the true king. I am not. You are the most high. I am not. You are the sovereign God. I am not. I surrender. I don't want to be in the field anymore. Long enough. I get it. I give up. One author says, his reason returned to him. We are to understand that this was not only in a mental sense, but also in a spiritual sense. He recognized the truth of things coming to what we would call genuine repentance. What does it take to get there? And he says, all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. He, God, does according to his will in the host of heaven among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can ward off his hand or say to him, what hast thou done? At that time, my reason returned to me. My majesty and splendor were restored to me for the glory of my kingdom. My counselors and my nobles began seeking me out. And so I was reestablished in my sovereignty and surpassing greatness was added to me. Can I say something to you? If God has humbled you in the last six months or a year or more, his intention is not to leave you as a stump. His intention is to bring you in communion with him so you can become a beautiful tree that's bearing spiritual, abundant, abiding fruit. And the last word from Nebuchadnezzar, he says, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise, exalt, and honor the King of heaven. For all his works are true, his ways just, and he is able to humble those who walk in pride. As Jesus said in Luke 18, 14, Everyone who exalts himself shall be humbled, but he who humbles himself shall be exalted. Um, Shane, if you can hear my voice, come on up. I'm going to just close with a quote from A.W. Tozer. It says this, the Most High God is so wise and powerful that he can ordain that his creatures have the freedom to make decisions and even disobey, disobey his revealed will. Yet he can accomplish his divine purposes on this earth. Man's will is free because God is sovereign. A God less than sovereign could not bestow moral freedom upon his creatures. He would be afraid to do so. But God in his sovereignty allows us to be free moral agents. But I have to say, there's a little fence around your freedom. <laughs> in other words, your freedom can have its limits. God has given you free will, but he loves you so much 
Sometimes he'll only let you go so, so far so you'll come to know him. Don't fight him. Don't keep having to learn lessons the hard way. Don't end up like old Debbie in the field. <laughs> Now's the time to raise your eyes to heaven and say, Lord, you are God. I'm not. I don't understand everything, but I'm going to trust you and serve you. Amen. We want to let you know that this is a listener-supported ministry. For your gift of any size, we would like to give you the free DVD, Dark Dangers of the Occult. Well, here we find ourselves in the fall, quickly moving towards Halloween or All Hallows Evening. We have a special offer for you. It's called Dark Dangers of the Occult. In this series, we expose the occult for what it is and shine the light and power of Christ upon it. What is the occult, you might ask? Well, it really comes from that which is occluded, hidden, secret, mysterious, esoteric, behind the veil. And for the Christian, something that's forbidden. Some people have opened the door to the occult and opened their lives to very dark and sinister things. But there's hope, hope in the gospel of Christ and hope for those who have opened that door when they come to Jesus Christ. If you want to find out more about this product, reach out to us at 844-48-TRUTH, 844-48-TRUTH, or check out the website, walkintruth.com. God bless you, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.